here. This will be the last night on this lesson. Praise God. Next week is Christmas. Can you believe it? <laughs> Year's almost at the end. Amen. But it's been a wonderful year. It's been a fun year. Amen. The lessons and the things that God has given us, and hopefully everybody's growing in these things in our lives. And amen. We've been talking about growing through knowing and understanding. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 29.1, He that being often reproved, hard in his neck, shall be destroyed and suddenly destroyed and that without remedy. You know, when we look at this scripture, you know, God's word is constantly giving us instructions. He's constantly showing us things. He's constantly teaching us things through his word. And so, therefore, we have to become, as James says, a doers of God's word and not just hearers only. Because if we don't hear and do what God's word is telling us to do, then we can destroy ourselves. And the only, the worst person you can destroy is yourself. Amen. The old saying, we've met the enemy and he's us. We don't want to be the enemy when we meet him. <laughs> Amen. We want to take God's word at face value. Amen. And so an only way we're going to grow is we have to get knowledge and we have to know what we're doing and we have to understand what we are doing. But sad to say, too many people don't know and too many people don't understand. As we was talking at the onset of this lesson, when Jesus came into Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he says, who do they say I the son of man am? And then you know the story, and then he says, but who do you say I am? Because everything from that knowledge of who he is flows. Amen. Once you have the knowledge and understanding of who Jesus Christ is, you should grow as a Christian. You should realize about him, his his character, his nature, his holiness. Everything about God should be able to come to you through the word of God and through the scriptures to help you to grow and to mature as a godly Christian in the way that God wants you to grow and mature. Because you realize there's no greater. There's none else. And it begins to show you when you get into the word of God, once you understand God, is how much he truly loves us, how much he really cares, and how much he desires that we reign with him forever and ever. You know, Paul tells us in Romans 15, 4, that the things which was written afore was written for our learning. Say, so I've got to study the word of God. I've got to get into the word of God. It's got to become, you know, a part of me. You know, David says that word have I hid in my heart so I won't sin against you. We, we got to have this word in us because when we put God's word in us, what are we doing? We're bringing God close to us. The Bible says in Psalms 145, I think is like might be verse uh, 17 or 18, somewhere in there, the psalmist is asked a question. He says, you know, he's talking about God's being, you know, uh, getting God close to us. And God wants to be close. He's, he says, I'm as close as the mention of my name. Say, so we need to have a heart and a mindset that we're, no matter what we go through in our lives, we know that God is always present. We know that his word tells us, I won't ever leave you. I won't ever forsake you. You know, I've got to get to this point to where these things began to manifest themselves in me. And, and, and I know him and I 
the way he loves me and the way that I should treat each other is all about God's love. See, when Moses told the children of Israel, Deuteronomy 6, the boy says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. See, that's growing. Once you understand how much you should love God, nothing should come between you and God, and it should cause you to grow in God. We've got to grow in the things of God. And Paul says in Hebrews 6 that, you know, that the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which becomes the first principles of the oracles of God. We need to, as he goes on and says, let's go on to perfection. See, we got to get complete in this thing. We need to be able to this the, to reveal what we know and what we love about God in this gospel. This death, this burial, and this resurrection of Jesus Christ. We should be able to teach it freely and, and without fear and without, you know, a lack of understanding. We should know these things. Amen. We have got to get the grow. We've got to grow. We've got to move forward. Amen. We don't want to struggle in our walk with God. We got to have, the Bible talks about Christians being bold. They was bold, uh, you know, Peter was bold. The disciples was bold when they saw the boldness. See, when you're confident in who you are and your abilities in God, you should have a holy boldness about you to feel confident about you and who you are in Christ. A lot of Christians, so-called Christians, are fearful. They walk around fear all the time. They're like on eggshells. They go to work, they're on eggshells. They go to school. They're on eggshells. They're they're afraid. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us power. He's given us love and a sound mind. And so the things which are written is written for our learning. Once we learn these things, once we apply these things, you know, you won't be afraid. See? You'll reverence God. You, you'll become complete in him. And this is what, what God wants. He wants us to get to a point. You know, you know, when, when Jesus, when he was on the cross and they arrested him in the garden, yeah, the disciples ran away. Uh, but guess what? They didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. But once they get the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, look what happens. Look how bold they all of a sudden turns. See? They begin to realize the things that God had said to them. They realized their understanding was brought into more clarity to where they was able to withstand things that comes against them in their lives. And they consider their lives not, you know, worth anything, really. <laughs> they just know that they love God and they was going to be with him forever and ever and ever. And that's the attitude we've got to have. We've got to get understanding uh, in this thing. So we talked about Jesus as being God. Amen. And so we was talking about a second ago about how to get him close to us. Amen. David right in here in, in the Bible says in First Corinthians 13, 12, and David was afraid of God that day saying, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? Now notice, you know, David went to retrieve the ark. You know, 
because he felt it should be with them. It was God's presence. Somehow Saul had lost the Ark of the Covenant, you know, and and what do we learn from that? You know, that if we don't do what God tells us to do, we're going to lose. See, as long as they did what God told them to do, he was right there with them. He fought every battle for them. But as soon as they rebelled and start doing, go against what God says, they lost the ark. They lost God's presence. It's no different from us. You know, he's not going to dwell in an unclean temple. He's not going to dwell, you know, where people are not doing what he asked of them to do. See, so we have to learn from these mistakes that they did. Amen. As I said earlier, Psalms 145, verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call on him, to all that call upon him, what? In truth. Amen. In truth. Where do we hear this kind of like that before? Remember in Jesus talking to the woman at the well in John 4, 24? He says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him as spirit and truth, for God is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, we've got to have the truth in us. The word of God should be in us. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life, Jesus said. So as long as we keep the word in us, God is with us. The Lord, the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure and light in the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean and doing forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them are your servants warned, and keeping of them is a great reward. Psalms 19, verse 7 through 10. Okay? So, the, the word of God, if we want God to be close, let's get the word in us. Amen. So that we can grow, so that we know if he's as close as the mention of his name. Amen. He wants to be with us. Now, we've looked at it. Most of you have been around the church a little bit. You know, you look at the tabernacle in the wilderness. We come to the gate, right? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Say, I learn how to come and worship. I come into his house with worship. I come before his presence with worship. And then we find that the altar, you know, the repentance stage takes place. Then we have the brazen labor, the water of washing. You know, we're washed by the water of the word. Then we came into the sanctuary. And in the sanctuary, you have the table and the showbread and the candlesticks and the altars of incense. You know, and then you go into the holies of all. There was the mercy seat, and there was the cherubims overshadowing where the Spirit of God of descend. Amen. So we learn how to come into his presence. We learn how to walk according to the word of God so that we grow according to that word. Every area, every piece, everything gives us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding about God. Praise. Worship, you know, 
These are things that should become second nature to a child of God. Second nature. You know, the we, we talk that, you know, thoughts produce what? Actions. Actions produce habits. See? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, so if I think right and do what is right, my actions will follow. My conduct will follow. And I'll be what God desires of me to become. See, why? Because I want his presence near me. Because without him, I can do nothing. Say, I want him to be reflected in me. If he says, I will take up residence in you, then I should have all of God flowing out of me. The spirit, the fruit of the spirit should be manifested constantly within us. His love shall be flowing. His joy, his peace, his long-suffering, his gentleness, his goodness, his faith, his meekness. The things that God wants out of us should be coming out of us when he is in us. Say, so I wanted him to be as close to me as the mention of his name. Am I filled with mercy? Am I filled with compassion? Am I, am, is my life being like Christ? Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, he says, if there be any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if there be any fellowship of the Spirit, if there be any bowels of mercy, he says, fulfill me my joy. What? That you be like-minded. You have the same Spirit, the same love. Notice, the same. The sameness in me should be in you. Should be no difference. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father, all, who's above all, through all, and in y'all. Right? So the same spirit that's in me to give me power is the same spirit to give you power. The same spirit that, that caused me to do right is the same spirit should call you to do right. The same spirit. We're, we didn't receive a different spirit. There's one spirit, Jesus Christ. Okay? So what's in me? If you got the same thing, then we should be the same. Worship, praise, study, the things that God has asked in one is for all. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. We want his presence to be close. He'll be with us. He hasn't left you. As Paul told Timothy, he said, just stir up the gift that's in you. That's what usually happens is we stop the things that God has given us to motivate us. They rejoice. Why do we get to a point that we lose from where we came to where we're going? You know, you look at Israel. When they came out of bondage, what's the first thing they did? They grabbed the tambourine, man. They just went crazy. They were singing and dancing and shouting and all over the place. But by the time they left here, they got there, they turned into a bunch of murmurs and complainers. They saw what God did here, and they lost it here. 
We have to get into the mindset and the habit of, I won't stop praising him. That's why the Psalms just says, daily will I bless him and daily will I praise him. See, these things are for our learning. See, I, I have to learn how to motivate myself. I had to learn, you know, where I came from and pick myself up and just glorify God. He's given me a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we might be trees of righteousness, the planet of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And John and Luke 4, when Jesus came out of the wilderness from being tempted by Satan, he walked into the synagogue. They handed him the scriptures. He turned to the book of Isaiah. He began to read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. The priest, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Priest delivers his capital. Recover of sight to the blind. The set at liberty them that are bruised. And priest, he accepted the year of the Lord. Closed the book. Gave it back to him. Everybody's eyes are on him. Jesus says, today is this scripture fulfilling your hearing. Amen. Think about it. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. Amen. They took notice of them. That they had been with Jesus. See? And because when he's present, something's going to get on you. (laughs) Something's going to get into your heart. Something's going to get into your mind. You know, something's going to transpire and something's going to cause a change that you're going to just rejoice. Get excited. Amen. You don't have to pray for strength. You got it. It came with the Holy Ghost. You don't have to pray for joy. It came with it. everything you have need of came with the Holy Ghost. Hello? <laughs> You've got to grow. That's why Peter says in Second Peter 1, 5, he says you add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. The knowledge, patience. The patience, temperance. Temperance, calling. Calling is brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, cherry. He says, if these things be in you and abound, they may be that you will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See? You're going to always know it. You're going to always know his presence is there. I know my sheep, and my sheep are known of me. Amen. So we want God's presence to be with us. So we got to know in order to grow and understand. Now, if I was to ask you a, a question, I mean, would you raise your hand? How many of you buy, a, buy, get credit cards, uh, buy phones, uh, sign up for something? And click the button, I agree, on the terms and conditions without reading them. Oh, boy, I'm seeing a whole lot of smiles going on here. <laughs> why do we do that? Why, why, do we, why do we click on we agree and we don't know what's there? <laughs> See, we we have to know what we're doing. 
And what we're doing, some of those terms and conditions have some sneaky clauses in there. You know, you know, I, I think I might have shared with you when I when I brought my first house, man, that's probably one of the toughest things that, to do, right? You know, you're young, kind of young, <laughs> and you're getting ready, but you know, you, dollar signs is going through your mind, and so you want to make sure you're doing the right thing, man. I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I did, you know, and and so I took that contract, man. And I went through it with a fine tooth comb. You know, I, you know, I did. I I searched it out, and you know, and right as we was getting ready to almost sign the contract. I, I had found something wrong with the house, and and I said to the owner, I says, "Well, we need to have this fixed." And he says, "Well, no, we, we can't fix that." I says, "Well, the contract right here says." You know, a realtor grabbed, and she says, "I never saw that little bitty clause in there. If they if the owner is not satisfied, then the, they have to fix it if they want to sell the home." She says, I had never seen that. They fixed it because they wanted to sell the house. I just start from that standpoint, hey, I better start reading this stuff. <laughs> you know, so that, you know, I know what is going on. I grant it, sometimes I agree. You know, sometimes I read a little bit of it, and if I think it's okay, then, you know, I'll go with it. But most of us, because it's small print, we don't, you know. So what are we doing? We're not knowing, and we're not getting understanding, and then we get mad, and we want to break the phone when it doesn't work right. <laughs> you know, we, there are so many things we want to kick the dog, <laughs> you know, all kinds of stuff. But a lot of times it might be our fault because we don't read things so that we know, so that we learn, so that we can grow. Say, we have to learn some of this stuff, amen, if we're going to grow. And it's the same way with God's word. See, we have to, we have to get into it. As Paul told Timothy, he says, study, show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly divide the word of truth. See, because God wants us to get into his word, because the things that's written afore is written for our learning. That's why, to me, that's what this book is all about. They have gone before us. They have laid the foundation. They have told us what has transpired, how we got to where we are. And so, therefore, for us to grow and to continue on is we got to know. Look at what Hebrews 12 says. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about. With so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sins which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. See, we got... Peter, James, John, Paul, all these guys has gone before us. Moses, you know, Joshua, all these guys, they're, they're there saying, come on, guys, you can make it. Come on, you can get there. Don't give up. Don't quit. 
See? We, we can think of people that we know that lived their whole lives serving God. They have become now witnesses for us. You know, the, our pastors of before that has probably gone on and saints of God that has passed on, that when you were young in the Lord, they would tell you great things about God and say things. And you sit in the pew and you heard the testimonies of them. And, you know, you would go, wow, you know. So you learn from that. You learn from those kind of things so that you grow. Because we got cloud of witnesses over us. Let's look at Revelation real quick. Revelation chapter, chapter one, uh, two, three. You know, when you look at Revelation chapter one and verse, uh, chapter two, one, two, and three, we find that here's John on the Isle of Patmos. And we know that John, uh, he sees Jesus on the Isle of Patmos. And we get to talking about the churches in the book of Revelation. And I want us to look here for the next few minutes about how we can learn some things from the, the churches in the book of Revelation. Amen. Let's look at, start with, okay, at the end of chapter 1 there, starting with verse 17. John says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me. Saying unto me, fear not, I am the first and I am the last. I am he that was, that liveth and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which are thou sawest are the seven churches. So he gives us a picture here that there are seven churches. Now let's look and see what's. The set church's problems were. Why is this letter written to the churches? Unto the church of the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things says he that hold the seven stars in his right hand, who walk in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of thy place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
To him that overcometh will I eat, give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You remember in Genesis, when God created, the tree of life was in the middle of the garden. But Adam and Eve, you know, they wanted everything else. What was the problem with this church? Yes, what was Ephesus' problem? They left their first love. They were doing everything. They worked, you know, their labor. But guess what? They left the first love. In other words, they allowed something else to come in between them and God. The story of Hosea is all about leaving your first love. That's why when you read the book of Hosea, that's what it's all about. That's why God had Hosea to marry a prostitute because the fact he's trying to show how Israel has left them. See, and we cannot allow anything to come between us and God. The first and great commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you must love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. If we allow anything to come between us and God, it's going to pull us away from God. I don't care what it is. It's going to be closer to God, as my pastor used to teach me. Anything come between you and God is closer to God than you are. And we want God's presence to always be close to us. We've got to love him. Notice what Jesus said to Peter three times. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? See? He's questioning Peter's, do you really love me, Peter? If you do, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Don't let Peter, don't let anything come between us. They left their first love. They're working, they're laboring. But they let God not be first. In other words, they start working in their own power and their own strength. Let him lead. Let him be the leader. Let him be the one that guides you and leads. The steps of a good man is ordered of the Lord, and he delight in their way. He makes our way straight. See? So they had left their first love. We can't allow this to happen to us. When we study the word, we see the value and the importance of keeping him first. The whole thing. As Moses told the Judah children of Israel in Deuteronomy 8, he says, God didn't choose you because you were more than anybody else. He says he chose you because he loved you. So out of all the people in the world, if God has pulled us out and given us his spirit and saved us, Should we not love him? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. So notice what the Lord said to the church. He says, okay, I'm telling you your problem. And now what is he telling them to do? Remember. Go back and find what stopped you from keeping me first. He says, that's what I want you to do is remember where you fell. Remember where you stopped. Put in me first and repent. See? It's what he's he's saying to this church. He says, if not, 
He says, I'm going to come quickly and I'm going to take your candlestick out. Because when God removes your candlestick, his presence is gone. You know, what, what was Esau's problem? Though he sought with God with tears, he couldn't find repentance. See, we, we got to keep God first. Nothing shall separate us, Paul says in Romans 8, from the love of God. Shall tribulations, shall distress, shall persecution, shall nakedness, shall famine, shall peril or sword. He says, as it is written for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. He says, we're accounted as sheep unto the slaughter. He says, no. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him that love us. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor height, nor depth, nor anything present, nor things to come, shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord, nothing, nothing, nobody, nothing, it's nothing. Think about this love. It's a love relationship. And when God is, is, is loving you and you love him, think about how close you are. That's why Jesus stood on the outskirts of Jerusalem and says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I had longed to put my arms around you as a mother hen does her brew, but you would not left me. Therefore, you're left desolated. Is God standing? The one that put his arms around us and caressed us and hold him when we're holding him obey? Because we got something between us and him that he can't get his arms around us? Bitterness in your heart? Hatred in your heart? wrongdoing in your heart, anything is stopping God from hugging you, then repent. <laughs> Don't hold grudges. Don't hold bad feelings. Get it out of your heart. It'll separate you from God. Remember. Just remember. That's the uniqueness of God. He wants you to remember things and Start afresh. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow work of repentance to, to salvation. When our hearts are really right, we'll find God. We'll find him because David says, for the sacrifices of God is a broken heart and a broken and contract spirit, O oh God, you will not despise. He'll be there. So this church, Amen. He calls them, they had left their first love. Notice what verse 7 says. Got any ears? <laughs> Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God says, listen what I'm saying. The things that are written for is written for our learning. First Corinthians 10, 6, and, and verse 11 says that therefore our example and our admonition. See? So we can't, we gotta keep God first. Amen. 
Verse 8, Revelation 2. And unto the angel of the church at Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, which is Jesus, which was dead and is alive. Okay? We know he was dead and his life was by Jesus Christ. I know thy works and tribulations and poverty, but thou art rich. Wow. You guys got all kinds of money. You don't even know it. <laughs> you got stuff flowing out of your bank accounts. And you don't even know it. You're killing yourself working. You got more than what you know what to do with. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of earth, the world, and they that dwell therein. You got more than what you know. Think about it. So stop killing yourself. <laughs> I know the blasphemers of them which say they are Jews and are not but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulations ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the church. He that overcome shall not be hurt of the second devil. What is their problem? What is Smyrna's problem? Smyrna got any problems? Huh? Don't got any problems? What is he telling them? Huh? You're rich? What else is he telling them? Huh? Can't hear you. Hmm. He's giving them a warning that some things are going to come against them. He tells them there in verse 10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Say He's letting them know some things are going to come against you. He is saying, the devil is going to cast some of you into prison that you're going to be tried and you're going to have tribulation 10 days. He says, but be thou faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. He says, some things are going to come against you and you need to be aware of this, but you need to be faithful. You need to hold on. You need to realize I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. You hold on. I'm telling you in advance. There are some things coming that you are going to be attacked, you know, and things are going to happen against you, but you stay faithful. That's why Peter says, and Paul says uh, to Timothy, this is a faithful saying. If we be dead with him, we shall reign with him. You know, if we deny him, he'll deny us. We need to hold fast. Amen. When things comes against us. Blessed are you, Jesus said, when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all matters of evil falsely against you for my name's sake. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for so they persecuted the prophets before you. People has gone before you. That's why it's written for you. So you know what they went through, you're not exempt. 
Some things are going to happen. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, thinking not strange concerning the fire trials, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. He says, but rejoice, and that you are becoming a partaker of Christ's suffering. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, because the spirit and glory of God rest upon you. See, some things are going to come against us. And we just need to stay faithful. We just need to hold on because God says, I will give you a crown of life. Amen. Hold on. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Do you hear what I hear? <laughs> Listen, so Smyrna is doing the right things. So we need to be aware of these things that are going to come against us. We're going to have some tribulations. We're going to have some trials. We're going to have some tests. But we'll make it as long as we keep him close. I won't leave you. Fret not, little flock. <laughs> it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you're in the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you pass through the fire, they shall not burn against you. Neither shall the flames kindle against you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Amen. What a promise. Amen. So don't lose hope. Hang in there. Rejoice. That's your moderation, Peter said. Be known to God. You know, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing with it. Everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made unto God. Verse 12, chapter 2. Unto the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, These things says he which have the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, which in those days were in Antipas, was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So has thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a name, new name written, which no man knoweth save he that receive it. What's their problem? What's Pergamus' problem? False doctrine. False doctrine. Amen. You remember, you you have to go back in your spare time. I don't have time right now, but you have to go back to the book of Numbers. You can read about Balaam and the donkey, you know. <laughs> you know. And we don't hear too much about Balaam anymore. People seem to just compromise Balaam. Maybe I need to preach about Balaam. 
you know. Amen. But but he caused a stumbling block. He taught them false things and how to, uh, to commit fornication. He taught Balak how to trip up the children of Israel. And so this doctrine somehow of false teachings of fornication, that is okay and all these things, is snuck into this church. And notice what he also says here. I mean, you have the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, some scholars believe that Nicolaitan, uh, the doctrine of Nicolaitans was actually the guy in, in Acts chapter 6, which was Nicanor, which was chosen to wait on tables in the early church. You know, when they say pick out, you know, seven men full of the Holy Ghost. And some scholars says over the years, he went away, he backslid, and he started teaching this false doctrine of compromise. This is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what, who they says that this doctrine came from. See, and so we have to be aware See, and when you read Paul's letters to the church, what is the most thing he's hitting on? False doctrine. He's trying to get them, look, mark everyone that calls offense contrary to the doctrine which you have received and avoid them. You know, he told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.3, I left you in Ephesus that you might charge some that they teach no of the doctrine. To Timothy, he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. See, Jesus says, if any man come after me, he shall know the doctrine. We, we've got to know the doctrine. You hear us around here all the time. Know the doctrine. Know what you believe. Know why we teach what we believe. Because in the last days, false doctrine is going to come. It's already here. The Antichrist, those that are against Christ, you if people are looking for some guy to come in to Antichrist, he's already here. Two thousand years ago, John says he's already here. They out there looking for him. He's already here. Look, you know, you just turn on your news and look how many people's against Christ. He's already here. See? So we need to be aware of this so that we know the truth. So that, you know, if, if, if say your job took you somewhere else and you went to a different church, well, you know the doctrine of Jesus Christ so that you make sure that what is being taught is actually right. Okay? Because a lot of compromise is starting to take place. People are not holding on to to what they first believed. They're letting go of their first love. The first love goes deeper than just Jesus hugging you. It's everything about Him. The doctrine, the teachings, everything. We got to realize this. And that's what this church's problem was. And God is calling them on it. And He says, repent. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against thee with the sword of my mouth. Amen. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and is powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword. Pierce me, even the dividers of under of soul and spirit of John of Myron is the discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. God's word. In the beginning was the word. Revelation 19, he's coming on a white horse. And he has a name written on his thigh, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords, and out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. Vengeance. Praise God. So we got to know the doctrine. Amen. We got to know the doctrine. We got to know the doctrine. <laughs> know the doctrine. Amen. Hear, O Israel, Lord our God is one Lord. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Fall of peace with all men in holiness, without shall no man see the Lord. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the scene of angels, preached in Gentiles, flee on the world, see back the Lord. Verse 18, and unto the angel of the church of Tyre, write these things, saith the Son of God, who have his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and thy charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Because thou suffered that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her a space to repent for her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all that the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you, I say, and to the rest of Tyre, terror, as many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shrivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give unto him the morning star. He that hath the ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. What's our terror problem? Amen. They have, who else there? Jezebel, the unchaste. That's what the name Jezebel means, is the unchaste. Amen. Jezebel. Where's Jezebel come from? Who was she? Ahab's wife. There you go. There you go. But what else was her? Who else was she? She was the daughter of the... Yeah. Amen. So, notice, he says, you allow her to teach and to seduce. See? If you watch the news and some of the things that's going on now, if you watch a lot of preaching on television and stuff, man, some of the stuff you you see in the pulpits, you know, you got to be careful. You know, I know a lot of times it's like we get on women all the time, but some of the men, I'm telling you, you know, some of the stuff I see with skinny jeans, and, you know, and no socks on and shirt tails hanging out and 
beards everywhere and all kinds of stuff. It's like, who's going to follow you? Not setting a good example. Or some of the ladies, you know, in skin-tight jeans and, you know, pump shoes. And, you know, and, and you're like, what in the world is going on here? You know, the seductive look is is getting in the pulpits. See, and we have to be aware of these things. God is holy. God is modest. God is pure. God is righteous. We have to we have to realize this. You know, as men of God, women of God, we have to be aware because a lot of this stuff we're seeing today is seductive spirits. And we have to be aware and not let it happen. We got to be aware. So God is calling us on a lot of this stuff. Be aware. We don't want to seduce anybody. We want to carry people to heaven. Amen. We don't want to lead people down the wrong path. Amen. Two more churches here, three more churches. I hit them real quick. Third chapter. And to the angels of the churches, Sardis, write, These things said he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, and thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou wilt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which I which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, and they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. What is this church's problem? What is Sardis' problem? Not complete. They're they're not completely dead, but they're almost there. See, that's what he's calling them on. He says, "You you have a few things here. Notice, be watchful." And verse two, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. See. Paul writes to the church at 1 Corinthians 16, 13. He says, watch you. See, be careful. Be alert that you don't allow those first things that are valuable, important to you to start slipping. We're seeing people, you know, the articles of faith that we, the church stand for, people are going away from it. They're letting it fall. We're seeing people, as we said at the onset, people are not keeping God first anymore. Everything is trumping God. That means something is getting ready to die. 
It's not valuable. It's not important. Prayer lives are, are getting at the point to where they're ready to die. Daily devotions are getting at a point in people's lives where they're ready to die. You know, God says you, you, you are, you're starting to let some things slip here. So he says, so you need to be watchful. You need to strengthen those things again. If it's weak praise, if it's weak worship, if it's weak love for God, the things that are starting to slip, you need to get those things back to where they were. Most of us, when we got saved, man, we was always on fire for God. And we drive 60, 70 miles to go to church. We won't always be in church. Nothing will stop us from going to church. What happened? Be careful. Watch. Stay alert. It's easy to start to let things slip, let things compromise. You know, little things. The snowball don't get big to start with. Beware of gradualism. It's that little bit. The little bit. The little things. Uh, how many times did David see Bathsheba? Probably had military balls or something. I don't know. <laughs> he was one of his officers' wives. Maybe they had military balls. You know, I don't know. So, back in the days, who knows? But we, <laughs> we got to be alert. That's what he's telling us. Listen, wake up. Strengthen those things that are starting to not become important. Don't compromise. Don't compromise God's stand. Don't compromise the Word of God. Because God is constantly reminding us that as Israel, you have not done what I told you to do. And then when their enemies are destroying them, and then they want God, what God said, you haven't done what I told you to do. The enemy will always defeat us. If we don't do what God tells us to do. So Sardis, he calls them, said, look, you know, he says, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Right here, you hear it all the time. Be ye perfect. <laughs> Let's move on to perfection. You know, that's why Hebrews 6 says the time we ought to be teachers. Let's go on to perfection. Let's get completed. Let nothing stop us from having God as first priority and first number one in everything that we do, right? You gotta keep God as the best thing since life bread and bubble gum. <laughs> Amen. Wow. So let's strengthen those things. You know what you're letting slip. Get it back up to priority one. As Ford say, quality is job one. <laughs> Amen. Chapter 3, verse 7. Got to move real quick here. Unto the angel of the church at Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, write, These things says he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word. 
and has not denied my name. Behold, I will make of them of the synagogue of Satan, which say there are Jews and are not to be do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, and I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man stake thy crown. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the, the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the church. What's Philadelphia's problem? Nothing. There's the city of brotherly love. (laughs) Amen. They are doing right. They're holding to the word of God. This is what he wants out of us, to hold fast to the things of God. And he's going to write our name on the wall. Amen. If you ever read Revelation, I mean, I think it might be 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there, you know, somewhere in Revelation. The apostles got their names written on the wall. Think about it. And he says, I'm going to write my name on you. You're going to be that stone, Jesus. Oh, what a God. Amen. Let's be the city of brotherly love. Amen. One more. Verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write, these things saith he, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou says, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And know not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye says that thou mayest see it. May, mayest see, excuse me. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcome it will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also came, overcame, and have sat down with my father and his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the church. What's Laodicea's problem? Lukewarm. Lukewarm. They're neither hot nor cold. God says, I wish you was one or the other. They got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. He says, you need to decide. Amen. We got to be on fire for God. Amen. It's got to be all about God. Can't be the world and God above. You can't have your cake and eat it too in this business. Amen. It's got to be God. As the old folks used to say, for God I live, for God I die. Amen. We got to get to the point 
that we believe this book and we have to live our lives according to it. Amen. We've got to keep the Holy Ghost burning inside of us. We've got to keep his spirit regenerating constantly through our praise and worship. Amen. And in our lives, we can't allow any of these things to slip. We've got to know the doctrine. We've got to keep God as first priority in our life. Everything that's written to these churches, we got to take notice. Because notice what is said at the end of every one of them. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. And so if we're going to grow we got to know and we got to understand. Amen? Praise God. Deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus daily let me go.